And so, okay, here we're starting this series called What's in Your Hand? Look in your hand, what you have in your hand right now. Anybody got anything? Somebody's got a coffee mug, you got a phone, uh, you got, you, there's something, right? You, you got something in your hand, but we're, we're talking about your physical hand. We're also going to be talking about a, a bit of metaphorically, what do you have? I mean, what has the Lord put in your life? What has he given you that maybe right now isn't being used to the full capacity of what the Lord wants you to do with it? So many times in life, we are being held back from the next step on our journey because we're not using what he's given us for step one. And the reason goes back to the very beginning of, of life itself in the Garden of Eden and the very first temptation from the serpent to Adam and Eve started with this lie, what you have isn't enough. What you've been given isn't enough. And you know, that's still the lie that causes so much trouble in so many of our lives. You watch the new commercials for the new cars and all of a sudden your car, which is just fine, isn't quite enough anymore and you gotta have the new one. And, and now there's this new clever trick where you see the commercial for the new phone and then all of a sudden you're very, uh, very amazing technology in your hand and your phone isn't just not enough, it also magically stops working right when they start advertising the new one. So that's a, kind of a new twist on an old trick. But the trick is this, what you have isn't enough. And my pastor, Pastor Dean, that phone thing doesn't tempt him. He was literally forced to get rid of his flip phone two weeks ago because the people at Sprint said it's going to stop working in a week. So he has this phone that is so I watched him try to use it, and I'm telling you, it, it, might, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. In fact, the last three times I've called him, he didn't answer the first time, but I get a phone call back, and instead of him saying hello, when I answer, it's just this like, this just wave and this giant wall of sound where he's like, I can't use this new thing. <laughs> but the lie, if you allow it into your life, is what I have isn't enough. It is the oldest trick in the book, literally. And here's what it does in today's society. It sells. It sells and you can build giant, massive companies if you can get enough people to believe what you have isn't enough. You need something better. We need to remember this verse from Proverbs that I learned from VeggieTales years and years ago. And that's Proverbs 15, 27. Greed brings grief to the whole family. But those who hate bribes will live. This idea of I don't have enough is what greed is rooted in and being greedy for gain brings trouble upon your whole family. This is why so many Americans are in debt. This is why so many people across the world and countries are in debt because not only is what I have not enough, if I don't have enough money to cover it, I'll just go borrow some more money to have more things. There's this great, amazing Saturday Night Live sketch from like the early 1980s. It might have been the 70s, but it's Steve Martin. And he's talking about uh, this new, exciting system of making money. And the people on the show are like, well, tell us about this system, this investment. And he's like, okay, are you ready for this? He's like, don't spend more money than you have. <laughs> and the host is like, wait a second. What if what I want costs more money than what I have? He goes, don't buy it. And they're like, but wait a minute. What if I want it? 
And he's like, don't buy it. Okay, okay, I get what you're saying, but what if somebody else will give me enough money to go buy it and I can pay them back later? He's like, don't do it. It's that simple. But we get into this mindset where we start believing the lie that's being fed to us. You don't have enough. What you have isn't enough. You can't do what you need to do. You can't go where you need to go. And when we add our faith to it, this lie goes as deep as you can't do what God has called you to do with what he's given you right now. Have you ever believed this lie? I don't have enough. I wasn't born in the right place. If I was in this city, I'd be doing what God called me to do. If I had this car, I'd be able to go where God called me to go. If I went to school and got the same degree that this person had, I'd be here doing that. Throw all that out. Throw all of that out. Stop comparing yourself to anybody else. That is the number one way to get into depression and grief is through comparison. Throw all that comparison out. Get centered with the Lord and remind yourself that God has given you everything you need right now for what he's called you to do. Does that mean you can see the entire supply right now? You can see the entire supply to get you from point A to point B? Not always. In fact, most of the time, you can't see that entire supply. You have to do this thing called trust, and you take a step of faith, and the word says that there's always grace for the time of need. We're going to get to that. But I want to go back to the Garden of Eden. Man, Genesis chapter 3, and I'm just going to read this, a few verses here, chapter uh, 3, verses 1 through 6. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. That's actually one important detail. Notice that it wasn't the biggest, the strongest animal the, that the Lord had made that came to them. Do you know why? Because Adam and Eve carried authority. And a big old giant bear might have been bigger and stronger, but the enemy knew they have the authority. I can't just intimidate them with a big old giant animal and say, look, they're bigger than you, stronger than you, because they know about their authority. So it had to be a very shrewd animal because it had to involve trickery. He had to trick them into giving him their authority before he could do anything in their lives. So the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. That's another important detail. Eve said we can't even touch it. God never said that. God told Adam, don't eat the fruit or you will surely die. Eve is relaying a message she heard from somebody else. And she said, we can't even touch it or we'll die. And the serpent says, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like him, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. The lie was what you have isn't enough. There's something you're missing out on. And if you take this fruit and eat it, you will then have that thing that you're missing out on. This might be where we get the phrase, you'll gain the whole world, but lose your soul. 
I looked this up this week. There are 60,000 plus known species of trees in the world. 60,000 plus. Now, I'm a very literalist. I believe the Bible. I hope you do too. The Bible says that everything that exists right now started off in the garden. Every tree, every plant, the seed was there in the garden. And everything we have now came from seeds and, and plants that God created, right? He made them to produce after themselves. Even variations of things that have changed over time change, trace the origin back to the original seed. So let's just assume, and let's just throw this number out, there was 60,000 different trees in the Garden of Eden. And there was one they couldn't eat from. Can you imagine trying to convince somebody what you have isn't enough when you can eat the fruit of 59,999 trees, but there is one you can't have? And notice the enemy didn't come to them and say, hey, are there almost 60,000 trees you can eat from here? Oh, yeah, isn't that great? 60,000 kind of trees. No, he said, hey, isn't there one you can't have? And they said, oh, yeah. There's one we can't have. And he says, don't you think you'd be more complete if you could have this? In fact, God knows. He knows that if you take this fruit, you'll be more like him than you'll ever be. I love that they had a noble cause. This is God. This is the Father who created us and walks with us in the cool of the day. I want to be like him. I want to be just like him. So, yeah, give me that fruit. And then in the King James, it's actually very important uh, what, what happens in the King James Version. It says, she took the fruit, comma, and then ate it. In other words, she took the fruit. Remember what she said? If we touch it, we will die. She took the fruit and paused, and guess what? She didn't die. So then, hey, what if I take a bite? Maybe I actually won't die. I'm not dying as I touch it. Then she takes a bite, and you know, they did experience a spiritual death right there in the garden, and eventually, years later, experienced a physical death that they would not have ever experienced had they not taken the fruit. So you know what? God's word was correct the whole time. The lie was just a slight twist of God's word with a very noble cause at the root. But it was that lie that they believed of, I don't have enough, that led them to that moment that eventually invited death into the world. And that's the only and the same trick he still has today. And unlike Eve, who got the word evidently, uh, we, well, we can read this in a little bit. It's, it's later in my notes, but I might just skip ahead to it. In Genesis chapter 2, I believe. Let me find this. Yeah, here we go. The Lord God warned him, Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who was just right for him. Adam had this encounter with the Lord when the Lord spoke to him. Evidently, he relayed that to Eve and it got a little bit twisted. And you know, just like that, 
When we're not going to the Lord for ourselves and all our relationship involves is what we glean from other people, which we're supposed to glean from each other, right? We're supposed to speak into each other's life. It's good to have a pastor speak into your life, but there has to be this underlining component of your personal relationship with the Lord. Because you can hear me say one thing and you can walk out of here and think I meant something completely different. But you know, when you have a relationship with the Lord, he'll speak to you. And then you don't have to have somebody in the middle telling you anything. He will speak to you. And you're not going to get that twisted because you heard from the Lord for yourself. And I believe that if Eve had heard this from the Lord from herself, and, and she could have asked him about it. Hey, Lord, tell me about this tree that we can't eat or touch. And God would have been like, oh, no, I didn't say you can't touch it, but you can eat from 59,999 trees. Just don't do this one. I think that would have been awesome. So I'm actually going to read a verse here in a minute that talks about you going to the Lord and finding grace in the time of need. And I think that's an important progression. Go to the Lord and find grace for the time of need. Actually, I'm going to read that one right now. Here we go. Hebrews 4, chapter 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We believe that lie that we don't have enough when we're not walking in expectation and trusting that we will find that grace in the time of need. And let me tell you, there's more than enough grace for everything God has called every one of us to do. But I was thinking about this this week. This is like going on a road trip, all right? Probably everybody in here drove or rode in a car this morning, so you understand how that concept works. Let's just say you're taking a road trip. Do you know what you've probably never done? And if you've done it, I'd love to hear why you've done this. But you fill up your tank, right? And it's enough gas to get you, I don't know, my car gets like almost 400 miles with a full tank of gas. But if I'm driving to Washington State, I'm going to have to make a few stops along the way and refill that tank and find gas for the time of need. What I've never done is fill up my gas tank in my car and then seven or eight other gas cans and put them in the trunk to make sure that I can just fill my tank up with the gas I have in the trunk and make it all the way across the country. No, I trust that there's going to be a gas station along the way where I can stop and find gasoline for the time of need. And actually, I don't even have to put that much trust in it anymore because my GPS will say there is a gas station 10 miles. And there are some cars now that say, I will route you to a gas station. It's in eight miles and you'll need gas in 12 miles. And all you gotta do is trust the GPS and it takes you to the place to refill your tank in the time of need. We don't fill up 10, 11 gas tanks and put them in the trunk of the car for the trip. And let me tell you, God is way more faithful than the system that delivers gasoline to all the gas stations across the U.S. I mean, we've all experienced the gas shortage here in the past couple years. Remember that anxiety you felt bubbling up when you heard somebody say the words gas shortage and you're like, oh man, I got to drive to work tomorrow. And you left your house in your pajamas and your slippers and you drove down to the wherever it was and you waited in line to fill your tank up. We've all been there. We've all probably done that. 
You have a father that supplies grace in the time of need and you never have to play catch up. You never have to wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, I got to go find grace for the time of need. No, he's got the supply. But you have to trust that what you have is enough to get you to that next stop on your journey. And let me tell you, what you have in your hand is more than enough to get you to the next stop on the journey. That phrase comes from the book of Exodus. Moses was living in the wilderness. This is 40 years after he left all the power that he obtained in Egypt. Remember the movie Prince of Egypt? He was the Prince of Egypt. He was like a son to the Pharaoh. He had power. He probably had a military at his command. And 40 years after he lost all of it, he's in the wilderness. And God says, go set my people free. Do you remember what he said? With what? And the phrase came straight from the burning bush, he said, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a stick. And God said, throw it down. It became a serpent. And did that stick get them all the way to the promised land? No, there was a few other things involved. But did that stick in his hand get him to the next stop on his journey? Absolutely. He walked into Pharaoh's office. He threw it down. It became a snake. He eventually, uh, you know, touched the rock and water came out. He touched the Red Sea and the sea parted. It was more than enough to get him on the next journey. Those stones in David's pocket didn't make him king, but they were more than enough to take down the giant, which was the next step. That gift that Joseph had to interpret dreams didn't give him instantaneous power in the land of Egypt, but it did get him out of that prison, standing in front of Pharaoh and then a place of honor and power. Amen. There's grace in the time of need all the time, but you got to take that step. You got to use what you have right now. And when you throw that stick down, when you let go of it and you start taking steps and you get to that next stop and you're like, okay, how, how is this current supply going to get me to step B? Or how is this current supply going to take me down this road? I don't understand that all of a sudden, somehow, maybe miraculously, probably miraculously, there is grace in the time of need and you see the supply for the next step. Philippians 4.19 says God will supply all your need according to his riches. They don't go dry. I mean, it would be great to see an account of grace or maybe like a storehouse. We can open it up and see, okay, I have all this grace in here. It's more than enough to get me to these next step. I know how much, but it just doesn't work like that. Listen, it's there, but you just don't see it sometimes until the need arises. 2 Peter 1.3 says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. In other words, he'll show you how to use it, right? You have something right now. Maybe you're just not using it the way God has told you to use this. He's put dreams in all of our hearts. He's put visions and goals in all of your hearts. And right now, you have more than enough to start moving forward. And once you get to that next stop, there'll be a gas station to fill up. There'll be grace for the time of need. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. I told you we were going to come back to this. The first part, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. 
Do you know what gives you the confidence to move forward? Do you know what gives you the confidence to take that stick and lay it down? Do you know what gives you the confidence to use what he's given you and trust that you'll find the supply at the next stop? It's that time you spend with him in his presence. It's the moments you spend with him putting his word and hiding it in your heart. It's the moments you've spent on your knees with your hands lifted up, worshiping him, singing his name, saying his name, praying, conversation, relationship with God gives you the confidence to throw the stick down and go to the next step and take that step. And so many of us, that's what we're missing. That's why it's so scary, because you don't have that relationship that's given you the confidence. I'll have what I need when I get there. I mean, I imagine if you've never used the car, if you don't understand the way our, our system works, you might see that you have this much gas, and it might, might scare you a little bit to just trust that there's going to be a gas station down the street. I don't know. If you don't know, if you've never done it, if you don't have a relationship, I mean, I, the first time you used the GPS, were you scared that it wasn't going to get you there? I know some of us remember that. I've seen people make wrong turns because the GPS says turn here, and it looks like an abandoned road, and it thinks that, I mean, like, some of us trust that GPS a little bit more than we actually trust the Lord. If you have a better relationship with your GPS than you do with God, you might want to rethink the way you're living. You might want to spend a little less time following your GPS and a little more time in a relationship with the Lord. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Again, grace for the time of need. What's in your hand? Lisa's dad has this great story. I don't know if I've told it, so I'll tell the abridged version, but he had $5. He was working at IHOP, and the Lord told him to put the $5 in an offering. And he said, how am I going to feed Lisa if I put my last $5 in the offering? And God said, you're not going to feed her with $5 anyway. So he put it in the offering. The next day, I don't know, it unlocked something in the spirit, but the next day he walked into his job at IHOP, and his manager said, I want you to take anything you need from now on to fill your cabinets up. I don't want you ever to miss another meal. And part of managing this IHOP over on Independence Boulevard across from Bojangles Arena now, it's called Bojangles, he was able to just take food home and fill his cabinets up. I believe something opened the door, the Holy Spirit opened the door to that when he was obedient and put what he thought was his supply. What was he going to do? Buy like a McDonald's breakfast or something the next day? That really would have been about it. But the Lord said, no, I have grace for you in the time of need. Right now, you got to put that little supply down on the ground. you got to sow that seed. You have to let go of it and then watch what I can do. He can do more with a stick in the hand of Moses than he could do with uh, an army at the command of Moses. We see things different than the way the Father sees it, but he's got it mapped out for you. And when you say yes, you will not lack. Because there is no lack in the kingdom. And I guess it would make a lot of sense. It'd be easier in the natural if we could just see the unlimited supply, right? If we could just see it. That's just not how it works, though. There has to be some trust. There has to be some trust. you got to operate in faith 
And as you do, you will find grace every time. I was talking to Aaron this morning. Aaron Macy's our children's director. Aaron was playing bass today. He told me I could share this. But two times in his uh, adult life, in recent years, he left uh, an occupation, uh, specifically left the army, and was looking at the timeline of the last paycheck and, and was having major trouble finding a job. Uh, just any job, really, is what you, you were saying to me. Anywhere that would hire you. And you're looking at the calendar and you're like, my last check is Monday. I might have to re-enlist. There's nothing wrong with re-enlisting. But he knew that wasn't the path the Lord had laid out for him. And he gets a phone call, was it Sunday or Saturday or something? Uh, and a company he works for now said, hey, we need you, your exact skill set. We need you to start this Monday. He heard the Lord and he did not hear the Lord say, go re-enlist. He said yes and found grace for the time of need. And then years later, as Macy was about to leave a job, they're looking at, at their budget. How can we afford to leave this job and this salary? But you know what? They put the notice in. They said, we're saying yes to the Lord. And before the last paycheck ran out, a whole new supply from a completely unexpected place came in and completely replaced that salary within a couple days or something like that. But Aaron was telling me that this morning. I said, can I share that with people? Because both of those times in Aaron and Macy's life involved saying yes when they couldn't see beyond the supply they currently had. But they said yes. And when they got to that moment, when it is time to refuel, they just coasted right into that little filling station and they found grace in the time of need. Have you ever coasted into a gas station? I've done it. That's a pretty, that's pretty lucky. Losing gas on a little downward hill, you can just coast right in like you planned it the whole time. That was my plan the whole time. I'm using every drop of this gasoline. You know what gives you the confidence, though, is time with him, time in his presence. Psalm 119.105 says, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's another instance of only being able to see so far. Man, we're not talking about those big old torch lights right now that can light up a whole acre of land. This is a lamp. This is a flame. This was written 4,000 years ago. We're talking a little flame in a lamp, enough to see your next step. But when you spend time with the Lord, when you're hearing his word, when you're hiding his word in your heart, you will always be able to see that next step. And when you get there, you'll be able to see the next one. And when you get there and you're out of whatever the supply is, you'll get there and you'll see the supply. That's how supply works with the Lord. When you say yes, you always see the supply. You see this over and over in the word. And examples I've already used. Every time Moses said yes, there was a supply for that exact yes. When David said yes, he found the five stones in the stream. When David said yes, he ended up in a cave beside a sleeping King Saul. When David said yes, he ended up in the right place at the right time every time. And I am willing to bet that if you have been serving the Lord for any length of time, you can go back to a time in your life when you said yes. And in the natural, it looked like a bad decision. In the natural, it looked like you were going to use everything that you had available. And you took that step and all of a sudden you saw the supply because there's grace in the time of need. And next time, the next time God is saying it's time to use what you have, lay it down and be bold. Remind yourself of that time when you said yes and found the supply after you took the step. Remind yourself of that. 
Remind yourself, and then that lie that you don't have enough, what you have isn't enough, will not have any place to take root. Talking about going to God's presence, hiding his word in your heart. Joshua 1.8 says that when the bo this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, you'll meditate on it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. A very uh, modern way of saying that in modern language is hide the word in your heart and then you'll be successful. Man, it's that simple. If you're not seeing success in the things you're doing or if you're just frozen and begin to put his word in your heart like never before, spend time with him like never before. And then watch the supply, watch that supply show up. Remember, it was. It was secondhand information that got Eve in trouble. Yeah, God said we can't eat it. He, he said we can't even touch it, actually. Man, that was his opportunity. Oh, really? We'll just take it. Then she took it. Well, I'm not dead. Now maybe I'll eat it. I mean, have we ever thought about that? Well, I, I took a step of faith a few years ago, and I'm not dead. So maybe I'll just stay right here. Maybe I'll just stay right here because that next step, that's going to be the one that does it. That next step, that's going to be the one. But that's a lie. That is a lie, and you can combat it. You can submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That includes taking every one of those lies with him. Amen. John 16, 33 says, These things I've spoken unto you, that you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We see that resistance. We feel that resistance. We can see in the natural how laying down that thing that God's given us, how using what he's given us could lead to whatever. We start planning it out. We start, how many things could go wrong? We start trying to figure it out. I'm going to plan for every possible wrong thing. And that, that leads us to, to these anxious anxiety feelings and, and letting fear in, which freezes. We talked about that for the last four weeks or five weeks, that letting anxiety and fear in will freeze you in your steps. Do you know this, reminding yourself that there's grace in the time of need, going to the Lord with your, through your relationship with him and gaining that confidence says no to that fear and anxiety. And when it can't take root, instead of being frozen, you will keep moving forward. The resistance is just because we live in a world and there's resistance. When you're going the same way the Lord is going, you're going to bump into the enemy because he's going the opposite way. But instead of getting all stressed out, instead of getting all freaked out when you experience the resistance, man, Paul says, man, let it be a moment of joy. Because, man, you can learn so much when there's resistance. You can learn patient endurance. You can learn this. There's a progression. You can learn all this. The main point, though, is that when there's resistance, man, you have the very breath of God in your lungs. You have every promise of God at your command. They are yes and amen. And you can just keep moving forward through that resistance. Do you remember a couple years ago, uh, I had this experience, Lisa and I, where we were on the church property here, and this deer just walked straight up to us out here in the field. It was like it was just wanting us to pet him or something. It was a, a deer. He had antlers. It was, a, it was a buck. I didn't count 
how many points he had, but it was, it was a, he just walked up to us before he ran off, and the Lord told me to go look up what, uh, just all, anatomy of a deer, the way a deer walks. I looked it up in scripture. Of course, the, it says in Psalms, you make me leap like a deer. Do you know when a deer runs into an obstacle as it's running, it's just got, his body is just built to just jump, and as he jumps and leaps over this obstacle, he even picks up more momentum and can move faster because of the ascent and descent over this obstacle. You know, we see resistance as something that can slow us down, but really, if we're operating in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's like, oh, good, here's some resistance. You're about to pick up some mega momentum and go right through this stuff. We got to change the way we think about it. Resistance that we find in the world, resistance from the enemy, we think it's so negative, and some of us are even scared of it. And God's saying, no, it's all right. Let it in. It's just momentum, baby. It's just momentum. Isaiah 54, 17, you know that one by heart probably. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The promise is not that weapons won't be formed against you. It's that they won't prosper. The promise is not that every tongue will, that no tongue will be raised against you. The promise is every tongue rise against you in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. In other words, it's not based on what you did. This isn't a promise to you because of your good behavior. This is a promise because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did, this promise applies to you. Because of what Jesus did, you're going to plow right through those obstacles. You're going to pick up steam. And because of Jesus, what you have in your hand is more than enough to get you to where you're going. For some of us, it's a talent. Some of you have a skill set that's very unique. And you just got to use it. You got to use it and be a little bit bold with it. Be a little bit bold with it. I'm not saying this is the only thing this verse means, but there's this verse that says the violent take the kingdom by force. I can tell you this. In my flesh, sometimes I'm too polite. And I'm telling you, sometimes in your flesh, you're too polite. When the Lord says, put that talent out there, step in boldly and say, I can fix this problem. Instead of taking the back seat in that moment, if the Lord says it, step forward. If it's at your company, or I don't know, maybe you're starting something, or whatever it is, you step forward boldly and say, I can do this. Insert yourself where the Lord is telling you to go. Stop being so polite and saying, I'll let somebody else do it. No, you carry the authority of Jesus on the inside of you. Now step forward boldly and act like it. Some of you, it's a talent. Some of you, it's a skill set. Man, some of you, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine that's got all kinds of heavy machinery that he's able to go use and do jobs that really mostly only big companies can do. But he owns this stuff, and he's able to go do it for way less. And I'm like, man, use this. Use what you have in your hand and watch God take you where he is going. Jesus did it. He picked up a few pieces of bread and a few fish, and he fed probably almost 10,000 people. Do you know as it, multi it multiplied as they were passing it out? Grace in the time of need. Do you know when the water turned into wine? As they poured the water out. If you read that story, she says, do what Jesus tells you. He says, take that water and begin to pour it into the wine glasses. And when they did, it became wine. Remember the widow who was about to lose her sons because she couldn't pay the debt? The word was Begin to fill up every jar you can find with what little bit of oil you have left. And as she poured it into jars, it just kept coming out. Do you know when it stopped? When she had no more jars to fill. That was it. Grace in the time of need. 
I'm using a lot of Bible examples, but I know for a fact you have something in your mind right now you're remembering where the Lord gave you grace in the time of need. And the same God that did that is the same God today. It doesn't matter if you've made mistakes. It doesn't matter if you've gone down a different path since that happened. He's the same. We change all the time, right? But he's the same. He's the same. Our perspective changes and we get into fear sometimes. But I'm telling you, have a change of perspective right now. Remember who you are in Christ. Because you're the same in Christ that you were back then too. Sometimes we make mistakes and there's grace for that too. And it's covered by the blood of Jesus. And as you move forward with your eyes on Jesus... He's so good that he said that's even how you lay that stuff aside. Those mistakes you make, that stuff that's holding you back as you look to Jesus, all that even falls away as well. So it's a win-win-win situation. When you look to Jesus, when you're going to him and have a relationship with him, that stuff that's held you back falls off. The confidence that you need to use what he's given you right now is right there. And it doesn't matter if you lay the whole supply down on the line. As you take those steps, you will find the next supply of grace. It's a promise. And it's one I doubt you've ever seen incomplete. But somehow we still, if we're not careful in our flesh, can believe that lie. What I have isn't enough. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. How could it not be enough? How could the bank accounts of my father ever go dry. And that's not just talking about money. That's talking about any supply you need. How could that ever run dry? It can't. It can't. It can't. And he said it's all for you. It's your inheritance. That is good. That is good, good news. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. It's the only trick in the book. God's given you everything you need. What's in your hand? You might want to take some time today and just take some inventory. Maybe grab a notepad and say, this is what I have in my hand right now. Sometimes simple act of just taking a few moments and writing something down is the kickstart you need to move forward. Habakkuk says, write the vision down so that those who read it may run with it. Out of sight, out of mind. Some of you have talents, gifts, things in your hand that you haven't thought of in years that you're being reminded of right now. Don't let that moment stay in this room. Take it with you. Make a little vision board or something. I don't know. I think that's kind of goofy, but it's cool, right? If you've got to have a little vision board, make a vision board. Put it in front of you. Use your supply, and you'll always find grace in the time of need. Let's all stand together. Bite the band up. You know, sometimes it, it comes from such an unlikely thing, too. Uh, I'll finish off with this really funny story. On, I mean, I think it's funny. Lisa and I recorded an album, I don't know, 12 years ago now? And that was a big deal in our life. We, we'd been songwriters and worship leaders for years. We always wanted to record our own music. 
and the pieces just never fell into place. We, you know, there's a lot of things involved in recording music, and you gotta have a studio, you gotta have somebody that's producing it, you gotta have people that can play on it, you know, there's lots of pieces. And we were just praying and asking the Lord what the next step was, and we just both felt the Lord saying, I'll show you the next step, just keep moving forward. So that night, we were driving to one of my little sister's basketball games. I'm sure Lisa remembers this. We were driving to one of her basketball games, and I found this old CD. It was a worship CD, a worship leader that I just loved growing up. It was in the bottom of our car, or it was under the seat or something, and heard, just heard the Lord say, put that CD in. So I put this old CD in, and we, man, I was getting nostalgic feelings. We were worshiping a little bit on the way to this basketball game. And when we got home that night, I just thought, man, I wonder what this guy's been up to lately. I wonder if he's done any more music. So I went to his website, found some new CDs. That's how long ago it was, CDs, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. I went onto the website and ordered a bunch of his CDs, and it was a weird process, the clunky website. The next day, I get a phone call. This worship leader's first name is Kevin. and. Uh, my phone rang, and it's like one of my heroes. And I answered the phone, and, and this guy says, hey, uh, did you try to order some CDs from a website last night? And I was like, yeah. And he says, okay, well, we have a bad website, but uh, I'm trying to work it out. This is Kevin. It was the guy. It was the worship leader guy. And I'm like, wait, this is who? It was like my heroes on the phone. And I, I just took a chance, and I, was, I started talking to him. And man, we started, hang, we started talking. We had a whole conversation. And he goes, hey, I'm hosting a little get-together next week in Texas, in Amarillo, Texas. I'm going to give you a personal invitation. You and your wife should come out. We bought a plane ticket. We flew out to Amarillo, Texas. And a month later, the people that we met in Amarillo, Texas, who were all local to Charlotte, were in a studio with us a month later as the band on our first album that we recorded. It was a crazy, weird process, right? But it started off with this very simple decision uh, of hearing the Lord say, put this old CD in. Something as simple as an old CD saying yes to the Lord and listening to it. Man, we can trace back. And one of the best times in our life, we can trace back the fulfillment of a dream that God put in our heart to putting a CD in on a way to my 12-year-old sister's basketball game. That's pretty awesome. I, we're talking about you have everything you need right now, whether it's a CD underneath the driver's seat of your car, a physical stick in your hand, five stones you find in a creek, a talent, a gift, whatever it is, you have it. Lord, what is it? Man, some of us just need to ask that question. Lord, what do I have? And you know, some of you are going to hear this. You're already using it. Just keep on moving. Keep on moving forward. Some of you are going to be surprised. Wait a minute. That? You want me to use that old thing that I put in the closet and haven't dusted off in 20 years? Yes. I put it in your hand for a reason. Now use it. We may not all figure it out with our natural mind, but when we use what he's given us and we move forward, you will find grace in the time of need. What gives us the confidence? Coming to his throne room boldly. Go to him. He is a good father and he is never waiting with condemnation or guilt to heap on you. He is waiting for you with open arms. In fact, as you begin to move towards him, he gets so excited. Remember the story of the prodigal son? He runs out to meet you. With no judgment, his judgment was cast upon Jesus. Now he looks at us through his own righteousness, and that's amazing. Come to him boldly. Use what he's given you. Find grace in the time of need every time.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your word. We love you so much, and we are so grateful for who you are. We are so grateful that you always have a supply for us from the well that won't run dry. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, let's respond for a few moments with some worship, and then we'll have our prayer ministers come up. But there's no way better to respond to the Lord than just praise and worship and saying thank you. Even if I don't see the supply right now, we're worshiping and saying thank you that you are a good God who always brings that abundance. Amen.